On this episode of It's So Bad, we've spent an hour and 35 minutes talking about the Zelda chronology. It's a link to the past on It's So Bad. everybody steve hello hello mike how are you uh pretty good i just like when i speak with discord my gif uh spins around and turns and says hello to you so that's my favorite part of discord these <laughs> days um but yes hello sam hello how are you hello hello i am pumped to review this game and rank this game Cool. We're doing a Legend of Zelda, or the Legend of Zelda, a Link to the Past uh, this week. Um, one of my favorite games of all time. We're adding it to our endless list of game, our 175th entry on the list. I don't even have it open, uh, but it goes from Super Mario 64 all the way down to the Dark Castle um, at number 174 currently. And yes, uh, every week, as if you didn't know, since this is our 201st episode of this podcast, we add a new game or video game movie to an ever-growing list of games and movies. Um, we're going to do this for every game and every movie. Uh, this week, we were adding one of the legendary video games, one of like the video games, one of the top tier, according to the world, video games. And it's a leg The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. Um, the series, we only have one other game from the series on the list. The Legend of Zelda, the original, uh, from 1986. This game from 1991, released in 1992 in North America, um, was brought to us by Nintendo EAD, published by Nintendo. Same year, 1991. You know what happened in 1991, everybody? I what turned in 1991? two. You turned two? I turned two. Oh, man, I'm just glad you're not a 90s kid. Was you're, like, that... on, the, on the border. <laughs> was the uh, Super Nintendo released? Is that when it came out? Uh, I think the Super Nintendo was released the year before. This is like the second wave. Yeah. The uh, the Soviet Union fell, I believe, in ninety one. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. But so Sonic the Hedgehog was released. Streets of Street Fighter two, Final Fantasy four, Lemmings, Battletoads, Super Castlevania four, uh, Tecmo Super Bowl, all came out in nineteen ninety one. Big year for video games. Battletoads was 91? Yeah, like a the late first NES one? game. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's really it's really weird going back in time because I remember I didn't I don't think I got a Super Nintendo until like 92, 93. So like um I definitely have some late NES games like Bart Simpson versus versus Radioactive Man from around that time period. Um but yeah, that there was a weird time period where um, Nintendo was super successful and no one else, no one had really made that transition to a second console yet. Uh, so people were pissed. There was no backwards compatibility, but also people were, uh, pissed because you had to buy a new system to play the latest games. I remember that being a thing. And at the time Nintendo was like, no, 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 we're going to have a two system strategy where like the budget titles will go to Nintendo and like the real badass titles will go to super Nintendo. So that like happened for like two or three years. 
It was the first iteration of that, like the last gen. No, no, don't worry. It'll come out on mm-hmm. PS4, even though we're making it for PS5 now, too. Like, don't worry. <laughs> PS4 is still going to be around. You'll be all right. And it's like, no, it, it's got a limited uh, shelf life now as soon as the new console's out. That's so interesting. As, this, yeah. was, this was as, well before my gaming time, too. So I was not yeah, like... There was like... I remember the games that came out on both were like um, Krusty's Super Fun House. I remember that game coming out on both. There was um, there wasn't a lot of big games, but a lot of like IP driven games. Like uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Tournament Fighters came out on both. Uh, the fighting game for the turtles. Never uh, even heard of that. Um, what else? There's a bunch of games. Obviously, I can't think of them off the top of my head. But it was like a weird. It was a weird time for sure. And the NES games looked awful compared to the Super Nintendo games. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Far fewer colors, much simpler design. <laughs> you can right. see it now. Like even now, like you think of like a classic video game and you think of a Super Nintendo game, and then you look at Nintendo games and you're like, oh my god, it's like yeah, <laughs> a I, rough sketch. I think Super Nintendo games look good and NES games don't. Right, exactly. <laughs> kind of the dividing line. Yeah, I mean, I think Super Mario Brothers three looks good. I don't know if that looks very good. many other NES but, games, but look that's good. like the tail end of NES, right? right? Yeah. Well, that was actually like 89, so it wasn't even like... The tail end was like 93, so... Well, according to this release year uh, on the Endless list, it says it was in 1990. So only one year before before uh, I'll link to uh, the past. Yeah. Yes. Well, one... Actually, two years, because it came out in 89 in Japan. Oh, uh, okay. So this is so this is American release year. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Time zones, man. Time zones. Um, so this game, The Legend of Zelda: Link to the Past, I played it back in the day. I what I don't remember though, I never beat it like back when it was on a Super Nintendo. Um, I never. I think the first time I beat it was on the Wii. Um, oh. I never owned it. Um, so when the Wii Virtual Console came out, there was like a bunch of like SNES games that I'd never beaten that I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna beat every one of these fucking things. I was hyped for Virtual Console, and this was one of them. Uh, I don't know if you guys, when did you guys play it? I know, Steve, you just played it for the first time. Yeah, I just played it uh, the last couple of weeks for the first time. Uh, I'd, like, fired it up every once in a while and played the intro piece, um, but never stuck with it. I feel like it was usually, like, I was playing at somebody else's house, and I played, like, a little bit of it, and then that was it. I didn't have a Super Nintendo when I was a kid. Uh, people I knew who had games tend to have, like, uh, Sega, Sega Genesis more, too, so I played much yeah. more, like, mm-hmm. Sonic back in the day. Yeah. Cool. I feel like the Super Nintendo was, like, the nerd console. I... <laughs> I had. Super I wanted Nintendo. the edgy. <laughs> I wanted the edgy Sega. <laughs> yeah, you had you had a uh, one more face button on a Super Nintendo man, you know. And you had two shoulder buttons. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't, I, uh, that wasn't a strong. That wasn't a strong factor in my decision. It was know. just Sonic versus Mario. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you get Zelda too, as you do with this game. Um, That's true. I I played this game a bunch as a kid. I don't know when I first beat it, but for whatever reason. One of my friends had two copies of it, so I just, like, got one from him and had it probably from when I was, like, six, maybe. Like, I didn't play it when it came out, but I, I played it probably, like, 95, 96 for the first time. Got, oh, wow. I don't know, pretty far. Like, I, this just seems like a game that is just, like, I, I know what to do from whatever reason. Like, it's like an instinct, you know? It's yeah, so... I think I played a bunch of it back in the in the '90s when it was originally came out. I never beat it though, um, but I did do remember when the when the Wii came out in the Virtual Console. Since then, I've beaten it maybe like six or seven times. I fucking love this game. This game's great. Um, 
it was uh, it originally did start development on the NES uh, as the third NES Zelda game, but was pushed to uh, the next generation as like a showcase piece. Also originally titled The Triforce of the Gods in Japan, not a link to the past. That makes sense. I mean, yeah. you know, they talk they talk about the Triforce. They talk about the gods. Um and yeah, I, guess, I guess there's there was a lot of like religious iconography that was stripped out of the Super Nintendo release because that's what Nintendo did back in the day. Like the chapel had uh, crucifixes in it in the Japanese version. Interesting. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, and there's like other there's like there was like randomly in the Hyrule text one of the icons they use for that font when you can't when it's not translated was an onk and they had to remove that because of religious reasons oh interesting wow yeah yeah i I feel like i've heard of nintendo doing that for other games too like maybe when we talked about act razor they did that i think yeah they did they've done that for a bunch of games there was a game called devil world uh that was an original (laughs) nintendo release they just never put it out in the united states it's like we can't fix this <laughs> you did make Mike. You made this point on the Discord though, when we were talking about it. Like, it's not super clear why it's called a link to the past, though, because like it's not super explicit that there's time travel involved. Like, we'll get into this, but you go between like the light world and the dark world, but you don't necessarily think of it as like time travel. And if you, like, I don't get think into, it's you get into, I don't like, think it's the, time travel. I, yeah. I was look, I was looking the story, and I don't think it's time travel. Yeah, it's, it seems like it's open to interpretation, and like that's how a lot of the Zelda timeline is through the entire series. But even like this yeah. early on, this is supposed to be in the Zelda chronology, like before the previous games. Like it yeah, predates, it predates Zelda one and two, but yeah. like that's not extremely clear, and like it's just another Zelda game, and you know, so the fact that it's called a Link to the so, Past, you 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 you'd be okay with not understanding that there's some time travel or like, you know, yeah. set in the prehistory of the other Zelda. I do think they knew that this was a prequel. Right. Uh, I don't, I can't confirm this from, I didn't read the instruction manual, but I'm pretty sure they, th- they knew this was a prequel and that's probably why it's called a link to the past. Yeah. Cause the dark world is not like an alternate future. So what, what the, what happens is, and I, I've read this today. Um, we've all seen the Zelda chronology here. If you want to go look it up, it's basically for people listening. It's basically Nintendo's, uh, uh, their attempt to go backwards and fill in the gaps or how we got here from each of the Zelda games. And it's like, it's like totally ridiculous. Yeah. They're stitching it together. There's no reason. Yeah. It's like they made a bunch of Zelda they made a bunch of Zelda games and then they got to Ocarina of Time and they were like, Ooh, we really did some time travel stuff in this game. Like maybe we need to explain how these games are linked together. I feel like it's partially based on like fan interest too. Yeah. Like, you know, people I think wanted so too, to know. Yeah. People wanted to know. So it goes from Skyward Sword and then it goes to the Minish Cap uh, to four swords for some reason into Ocarina of Time. And then Ocarina of Time causes a split in the timeline to a, a vein that is, the hero is defeated. Another one that is the hero is triumphant, and then another one to adult timeline. Um, so, what does that mean? If it, the the way that it splits, the time splits is that in Ocarina of Time, uh, there were three potential outcomes, which is the hero is defeated, or the hero is tri- triumphant, um, and then there's one that the hero isn't triumphant in the adult timeline. So, there's three separate timelines for these games. Um, yeah. after Ocarina of Time. And yeah, Link, A Link to the Past starts one of them, which is the hero is defeated. Right. It's basically like if you win over Ganon in that timeline, like in the main game, you travel back in time and are young Link, young Link again. 
and that's one timeline. But there's another one where like Link has left this future and gone back in time, and that future still exists. He just doesn't exist in it anymore. And that's like the third timeline that goes on. So, oh, okay. are there yeah. games in that timeline? Yes. Yeah, there's so. games in every timeline. Mm-hmm. So, in the Heroes Triumphant, the Child timeline, Majora's Mask immediately follows. That's why Majora's Mask is Young Link. Yeah. Um, then Twilight Princess, Four Swords Adventure. For some reason, I don't. That's I don't one. Know. That's one game. Uh, there, Twilight Princess is one game, okay. and Four Swords Adventure is another game. Um, and then there's the adult timeline where he defeats Ganon, where Wind Waker's in it, Phantom Hourglass, and Spe- Spirit Tracks, which makes sense because those games all kind of look similar. But um, Heroes Defeated timeline, which is the a link to the past timeline, is when I guess Link was defeated in the game, and then the Seven Sages seal away Ganon, in, and he, they seal him away in the Dark World. And that's where the Dark World comes from, which is like a separate realm that Ganon rules over that the Seven Sages um, put him away into. And so this game is about Aganim. Uh, how do you say his name? Aganim? Aganim? Aganim. Yeah, Aganim is trying to break into the Dark World and get Ganon out. And that's what the storyline is. And so um, you go in, play through the game. You, uh, Aganim steals, the try, attempts to steal the princess, is unsuccessful. Link saves her. You go get the pendants. Uh, Aganim has, the, has once again kidnapped the princess. Uh, you have to go fight him. And then he draws you into the Dark World. And then you have to find the Seven Sages to defeat Ganon. Or to unlock Ganon and then defeat him. Yeah, and like throughout that whole time, you're going kind of between the dark world and the light world, which is, I guess, uh, sort of a core concept of the game is like figuring out a place to go in one of the worlds and like transporting back and like the interaction between the two worlds and like similar landmarks. Yeah, I mean, back in the day when I played this game, I remember being like, whoa, there's two different worlds we can go to. It was like kind of like mind blowing yeah, at the time. Yeah. Th- yes. They did that. So they did that by having a bigger uh, cartridge. They, I guess uh, they had 512 kilobyte cartridges standard whoa. on the Super Nintendo. And this game had one megabyte. This wow. whole game is one megabyte? Yep. Including the soundtrack. That's nuts. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting the way they like worked within those confines of this too, because it, it works perfectly, but in the game, it's just like the dark world and the light world. It's like the dark world is just an overlay to it. So you hit a button and you flip back and forth and it's all similar landmarks. But it, it's a cool puzzle mechanic too. And it's one that you see like in later games. Like we've talked about um, Titanfall 2, where you're jumping back and forth in time, like through a, a similar space. Um, they do that in Dishonored too, but it's a very cool concept in this because there'll be a puzzle and it'll be like, oh, well, there's like a piece of heart up on a ledge that I need to get to. But in the light world, there's no ladder to that ledge. And then you go into the dark world and the path is slightly different, but you end up like climbing a boulder mm-hmm. that leads you to a ladder that lets you to get up there. And then you can switch back to the light world once you're up there and kind of jump into a new area. And that's just a cool yeah. overworld mechanic that, that plays throughout the whole game. Yeah. yeah, I guess I guess the uh, map design between the light world and the dark dark world are almost identical, and they did that and they did that to save on memory as well. Right. right. Um, and so they just use different texture tiles between the two, but largely it's the same um, same identical world. Smart. Um, and there, yeah, there's a lot of stuff too, kind of Steve, like what you were saying, where you'd see something and then have to like switch worlds. There's a lot of puzzles where you see, like a hint that. You know, there's something you have to do there, but you can't go there. 
and you know like when you get an item later in the game that you have to go back as well to that specific area too like they do a really good job of kind of like alluding to something that you'll have to do later right yeah it's kind of like metroid works that way too where you'll see an item and you're like i don't i don't have the ability to get up to that ledge but like it's clearly dangled out there for me to see mm -hmm. and i'm going to remember that and you just kind of take mental notes as you're going through the whole overworld and it's it's a pretty big overworld i guess for the time but playing it you know with modern eyes it's pretty contained so i i was trying to kind of critical path the game as much as possible but you still see enough hints at secrets mm -hmm. like oh i know i can run into these types of boulders and they'll explode and i just happen to see one over there and then there's like a you know a dungeon that you can go down into for some upgrade um and there's a lot of there's a lot of really cool visual clues like that as you're winding your way between the main dungeons which are the you know their own puzzle boxes as you're going through room to room um so there's like that overworld puzzle and exploration that you're doing in between going to all these dungeons which are pretty easily mapped out for you too you never really have too much of a hard time figuring out where to go next even if you have some freedom to explore and pick up new items which mm -hmm. is a nice a nice balance for the whole game yeah yeah and they give they give you a map yeah yep there's a map yeah the, i think the map's pretty good actually yeah i do too um it tells you exactly where you need to go <laughs> yeah the, so it, it just lays everything out it's pretty detailed yeah, yeah. The, me the medium view of it looks a little goofy to me with modern eyes having not played this before because it's got that kind of early semi 3d or faux 3d effect of it yeah trying to play yeah. convey some depth but, I, the, but then you can zoom out more and see the whole of hyrule i only look at all of hyrule like that's yeah. all, all that's, you that's need all to you see. want it's not that big mm -hmm. yeah mode seven is what they called it on the super nintendo mode um, wow i can but, only imagine what happened to modes one through six <laughs> this one goes to mode seven <laughs> yes um i i learned so yeah. uh this playthrough surprisingly that you don't have to do the dark world dungeons in order which yeah. is cool um you can go right to four from one which i didn't even know until i decided to try it this time yeah sequence breaking is a thing so i mean after you have to do the first one for you can't skip that one but after the first one you could do two three and four and then five requires three and four, six requires two and four, and seven requires two, three, four, and six. Eight must be done last. I had it written down. Is eight Turtle Rock or Ganon's Tower? Um, Do you know? Uh, eight is Turtle Rock, I believe. No, it might be Ganon's Tower. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I think, like, this whole game, though, like, it's, there's, it's, you bring up a good point with like just finding stuff on the map and how it's laid out. There is like almost something on every like area that you're in. Like you can find either a heart piece or treasure chests or something. This game is fucking packed. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, didn't really appreciate that. I think the last time I played this game, but playing it after, cause I haven't, I don't think I've played it since breath of the wild. Um, and playing it after breath of the wild, which has the same thing where it's all packed like that. Um, uh, it kind of brought to mind that it's like there's a lot to do on the overworld mm -hmm. yeah, and in the dungeons i'd be curious to play this game again at some point and explore more because i again i was kind of trying to stay on the main path as much as possible to just wrap it up before the podcast um but definitely by the end of the game i was kind of thinking i had to i, I by necessity i had to go back and get things that i had missed because i was kind of just blown by them so there's certain items that you definitely need in certain dungeons and some of them i didn't realize until i got to the boss that i needed them and i was like oh, okay, oh i gotta i gotta i gotta exit this dungeon and go get the uh you know the so-and-so item um 
There was one item that did, I did that happened to me. Oh, the fucking wand. It's the ice wand. The ice wand. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's the you, one. You don't need it at all until I think Turtle that Rock, boss. right? Yeah. I think yeah. it's Turtle Rock. Yeah. Yeah. And it's optional a, to get. Yeah. They say, and I and I looked it up online, and it says it's optional, but you get to this boss, and there's like a, you have the fire rod, so you need to hit the ice head with the fire rod, and the fire head with the ice rod to stun it. You might be able... I know there's um, a few places you can use Bombos instead of the mm. Fire Wand. Like, uh, for the Ice Palace, I think you can just use Bombos wherever you'd have to use Fire Wand. So I wonder mm. if it's the same for that boss. Interesting, <clears throat> yeah. But it, it didn't happen too much. But anyway, back to the original point. You know, I, I would I could see myself playing this game again and spending a lot more time exploring and looking for secrets because there's just little logic puzzles you, where along the way you're you just are like, oh, I know how this item works. And I wonder if I, you know, if I shoot the hook shot over here, can I reach this ledge? And you can. Mm -hmm. Or you know that like, you know, a crack in a wall, obviously a bomb can can blow that up. But then maybe you can put it next to like a tree or something and it'll shake the tree. Um, there's a little cool like physics puzzles like that too, based mm -hmm. on how the, the items work. I'm sure there's, you know, I probably only discovered 20% of the things to discover. Yeah, there's, the there's a lot. Um, even just like realizing that you can uh, dash into trees and like items will fall out sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like that, you wouldn't really think to do that unless you just hit A by accident and run into a tree. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to do in this game. Um, I also think it's, laid out in a manner uh that is quite intuitive um even by today's standards there's like uh, they'll teach you certain things and how to do th certain things by giving you a scenario mm -hmm. which is what um like nintendo and miyamoto in particular was really good at um like mario is a classic example of the first thing you see is a goomba and in order to teach you how to jump over it like you have to get by that Goomba, so you have to press some buttons in order to figure it out. And they take that to the nth degree with Link the Past, I think. Like teaching you how to do certain things um, within the within the dungeons and things like that. Yeah, yeah. The first the first dungeon you get to is Hyrule Castle, and it's kind of the tutorial area. And like they give you the sword, and they briefly explain how to use like a spin attack. I think is the mm -hmm. is the tutorial you get from your uncle, and he gives you his, his sword and his shield. Um, but then after that, it's kind of like hallway after hallway where you're introduced to an enemy okay i got a sword fight enemy now and then you get to a pot and you realize you can pick up a pot and there'll be an item under it and then there'll be another pot with like a button that opens a door and little by little you'd kind of progress through this castle as you're looking for zelda because you get this telepathic message message from her like she speaks to you in a dream at the beginning of the game telling you to come find her so as you're making your way through you're learning how to play the game. And then each dungeon kind of follows that pattern too. Mm -hmm. You get to a dungeon, you're presented with a, like a new set of obstacles, new enemies, and it kind of eases you into it. You start to wade into it. You get you get an item along the way too. And then you're like, oh, well now I can go back to these rooms. And now that I have the hookshot, I can, you know, it's the same thing as the overworld we were talking about before. I know I can go across this chasm here and reach this this crystal that I'll hit and it'll switch all the walls and it just you, you build on that little by little and then as you get to the next dungeon they mix in a new item but they'll still go back to those old items and refer to them and you know you have to kind of mix and match them you know as you're exploring the dungeon as you get to the boss and these are all Zelda hallmarks now too mm -hmm. like this is an every Zelda game um moving forward uh yeah. So, so there's a lot of items, but I was just looking at the item list because I was want to talk about items, mm -hmm. and I maybe I knew this at one point. How do I not know that there was a fourth sword upgrade? 
called the appear called the uh, golden sword. Oh yeah, you oh, gotta yes. throw your sword into the fairy fountain in the dark world. That I just know that. I don't know where I learned it. I just know it. Wow. That's what I'm talking I don't about. think I knew that. Yeah. I I looked it up. I found out about it. It was like you should do this if you want to get through the final bosses more easily because it'll up up your damage a lot. Yeah. God damn. Yeah. It's sweet. Um, the like the shield you can upgrade early. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's good feature. The boomerang, like the magic boomerang, I think is OP. I uh, didn't use it at all. <laughs> really? Oh, I always yeah. have that equipped. Um. I also learned that you could actually find the magic boomerang somewhere if you don't get it upgraded at the waterfall. Oh, and really? Also, yeah, you can also skip the, um, like, getting the lantern right away in your house, in Link's house, and you can, like, find it later on in another treasure chest or just, like, someone gives it to you. Wow, that's funny. Yeah. So they had this figured out. Also, the introduction of the bottles in uh zelda which would become a become a mainstay oh yeah you got to capture your fairies in something you know or you got to have your magic potions in something and you want to have a a few bottles on hand you don't want just one bottle you want up to to four bottles yeah important i only had two so that's okay oh wow (laughs) playing on hard mode (laughs) (laughs) you got to catch those uh fairies and then it says do you want to keep the fairies or do you want to set them free and it always makes you feel bad about not setting them free (laughs) Yeah, you're like, no, later when I'm on death's door, I'll, I'll <laughs> set them free. Yeah, when I'm dead, they'll go free, and then they'll promptly <laughs> resurrect me. There's, like, uh, the whole progression system, too, with, like, the kind of quest where you get the shovel and you have to dig out something, and then you get another item after you get the shovel, and um, that's 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 all cool in this game mm-hmm. as well. Um, they introduce that type of stuff. Like, I think that, that would come that would they flesh that out in ocarina of time when you're doing the mask like quests yep to like get all the masks yeah um, this world feels lived in like a superficial amount a little bit like there's kakariko village there are some npcs you can encounter along the way there's hyrule castle there's not a ton of depth to those stories but usually it'll set you off on one of those types of quests where somebody will be like oh you need to go get the the flute because i've yeah. always wanted to play the flute or you need to go get the shovel because you can play some rupee game and earn some money you know south of kakariko village so there's little simple quests like that usually just to get you an item that's you know helpful along the way um, yeah yeah the, the oh you were saying it's superficial um kind of superficial depth but yeah. i remember at this time when it came, when the game came out i was like holy fuck this game feels lived in right like yeah. this actually yeah. feels yeah that's like my... there's there's like uh there's guys sawing down a tree mm-hmm. there's like a woman who if you talk to her she calls the guards because yep. right. you have a sword it's like it, there's the it feels like a lot of stuff's going on the ex yeah, thieves it just like they don't say a lot and it's not super detailed of a game and you're not going to like a cutscene or anything you're just staying in the world so I, I think it does feel superficial for that reason right and like you don't hear them yeah. at all you know but it, yeah. it's pretty I good i i, I see, see what it. they were going for I could see it being uh, much cooler at the time, having gone into it. But for me, it was kind of going backwards. And I was like, oh, Kakariko Village, cool, because that shows up in other games like Ocarina of Time. Um, And then you go in there and you're like, oh, okay, like it's pretty small. And this is kind of where most of the NPCs are centered, just in this one village. You know, you'll find them sporadically on the rest of the map, but that's pretty much it. Um, 
but you know it, it's cool it does it does give the world like as you're exploring it some depth to it and you know you feel like you're a character in it because you when you start you're just kind of link in your cabin and your uncle runs off to the castle um so you're like oh okay am i just in the middle of this map and your cabin is set dead smack in the middle of the map too um but as you explore you kind of get a sense of like the different creatures and npcs who who are around um so it's nice it gives it a little more depth and variety even if it is just kind of like a one-trick pony for each npc that you you meet yeah, I guess there's not really an NPC, at least that I can think of, that like completely changes or is kind of there with you through the whole game. Mm-hmm. Like Zelda, I guess, but sort of not really. You hey, only but... run into her twice in the whole game, yeah. I yeah. think. It's like yeah. the beginning and the end. That's pretty much it. Yeah, I guess that's Sahasrala? Is it Sahasrala? He's like, Link, Oh yeah. go to this. If, he if offers you... helpful tips along the way via, like, stone tablet <laughs> and telepathic yeah. link <laughs> yeah very there's just like random uh telepathy in the game for some reason for communication to just trot you along Sahasrala, he's the guy it's because you don't have a little fairy over your shoulder named navi explaining that's true. Uh, yeah, a whole yeah. way hey listen <laughs> hey link the uh, listen. the guy in the desert is apparently uh Sahasrala's, uh brother didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Did not know that. Interesting. Um, is the guy in the mountains his brother as well? The lost guy? I don't know. I like that guy though. Yeah, I like that guy. He's too. Nice. <laughs> you think that he's like leading you somewhere, or you're like taking him somewhere evil, and then he turns out he's like, "Nah, I'm just gonna heal you every time I see yeah. you." He'll comfort <laughs> your weariness. Yes. He's a good guy. Um. Yeah. This game. Yeah. Uh, some other stuff. Um, so, sorry. Yes. So, yeah, sorry. go on. Sorry. <laughs> so this game. After this game, they made a ton of games that were just this game. <laughs> so they made Link's Awakening, Oracle of Seasons and Agents, Ages, Four Swords Adventure, The Minish Cap, A Link Between Worlds, and Triforce Heroes, which are direct sequels to this game or or like i came after this game but are just this game over again and over again and over again (laughs) yeah link's awakening feels very very similar and i fucking love it because of that but (laughs) it is like the same game yeah um i love that game i played that game back in the day and i beat the shit out of that game that was like my first zelda game i think i beat link's awakening um so yeah, so I mean, and people will, people will take offense to that, but they're largely they're not the same game. They're just inspired by a link to the past, I would say. But there's also like a million games that were inspired by this game that directly and are now uh, out there. Indie games, Enter the Gungeon, uh, Binding of Isaac, are like some of the bigger ones. Then there's like 3D Dot Heroes, and there's a there's a ton of these games that are just inspired by Zelda. Yeah, I recently I played uh, Death's Door, which actually I think I made a Death's Door pun earlier and I realized it. But that's a Zelda alike where you're, you know, it's, you're basically like a little bird going around and you have to go to the three corners of the map and fight the bosses and you go through kind of little square dungeons. Uh, Hyper Light Drift. Hyper Light Drift. I was yeah. just going to say Hyper Light yeah, Drift. Very yeah, similar. very similar. Tunic. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, well, yeah, I so... mean, Tunic, come on, he's wearing a green. <laughs> <laughs> that is the most blatant Zelda ripoff of all of them. <laughs> no, nah, there's there's one that I played. I forget what it's fucking called. They just released a sequel to it, but it is like super super ripoff. Um, where they're I'm like, oh, they're just not. Uh, 
Are they just not? Are they just copying this directly? I forget what the fucking name is. I'll have to look it up. I, I will say within the Zelda franchise, though, I think like part of its charm is that it's consistently redoing itself, but then kind of experimenting around the edges of either the story and the plot. Like with Link's Awakening, he's, that's kind of like a dream, right? He like he washes up on an island, right, and and kind of is in this fantasy world, but then it becomes almost part we were talking about the timeline before but then like it becomes part of like the zelda mythos where it's like there's just these cycles that happen where the same the same hero the same princess the same villain arise in hyrule and there's some amount of like dungeons you have to go mm -hmm. go conquer and solve and you have to find the master sword in a bunch of games this is the first game with the master sword um and there are just these hallmarks of zelda that pop up in every game and it's it's fun to find them again. You know, you're in the new. You play Ocarina of Time, and you're like, oh, here's the new. Here's this is what the Master Sword is here. Or like we were talking about between you know going between the Light World and the Dark World in Ocarina of Time. That's going between you know the past when you're young Link and the future when you're adult Link. And that's kind of like a dark, abysmal future where Ganondorf right. takes over. Um, so they just kind of iterate on these game to game. Um, but it's it's part of kind of like the core DNA of the story of Zelda too. It's this legend that keeps repeating over and over in different cycles. Um, yeah, I, re I really like that about it. Yeah, yeah. You, you... I also I posted the uh, game in the Discord I was talking about. It's called Blossom Tales. It is like a direct ripoff of Link to the Past, very much so. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It looks exactly the same. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is a game that kind of... So, for me, when I think about this game, they, I think they had Legend of Zelda, and they were like, okay, Zelda 2, I, we don't know if it did that great, we don't know if we like that style, so they went back to Zelda 1 with the top-down perspective, and then they just made the perfect fucking Zelda game <laughs> off the template from 1 uh, when they made this game. Uh, like, they perfected it, which is to say, I don't think this game innovated a lot compared to what was happening, but they just made the perfect iteration of what that game could be, speaking of iteration. Yeah, they, re they refined uh, the mm -hmm. formula. It's interesting yeah. to look at, at Zelda 2, because it looks like a Castlevania game, basically. Or yeah. Like a little RPG element from what I was when I was reading about it. Um, but yeah, going back to the top-down perspective is definitely a plus for this game. And, and you're right, it is the kind of refined 2D top-down Zelda formula that is just you know it, it seemed like the first game i've played a little bit of the first game but it seemed like that one was intended to be more combat heavy too like there were puzzles but it wasn't that they weren't as in-depth and they weren't as like, wasn't right. as much variety with the web the, the items you could use to solve them too mm -hmm. yeah so just kind of this turned it into more of a puzzle game too which is cool yeah yeah the, the, the puzzles are are pretty good in this game i think overall and they do a good job of um Kind of like we were saying earlier, like introducing an element so you'd learn maybe that there's like a button that opens a door and you just have to go, you know, hit it. And then there's like a puzzle where you have to lift up a pot and there's a button under it. And then there's puzzles where you have to like drag an item to a button. And then you have to do like all that with enemies. Like they build up on the puzzles and like they get yeah. kind of more challenging and more difficult as you're going through the game. Yeah, I think the the dungeons themselves build upon each other. Like the mm -hmm. first dungeon you encounter is super easy, super straightforward, and then by the time you're at the end, it's it gets pretty complex. It, like it, they definitely build and build and build on the difficulty, mm -hmm. and they add different mechanics with the different items that you have to use in the puzzles, and they they do a really good job of using all of the items. Um, I would say, except for like the magic tablets, which you don't really need to use um, unless you need to get into somewhere. But yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think I don't know if I agree with that about the items. Like I, I think some of them you 
don't really need except for like one or two spots. Um, like the yeah, I, like the, the, the cape. The, yeah, cape well, the cape's like... optional, I think. Yeah, okay. I think the cape is optional in the cane, like the one that gives you the ring of protection around you. I think is also optional. Do you guys know what item Got I'm it. talking about? Yeah, yeah, yes. I know what you're talking about. Yes. Yep. Um, but like the the ice wand and fire wand, I think kind of suck. Like you don't really need them except for a few spots. Um, the shovel you don't really need except to get the ocarina, and I don't know if you even need the ocarina in the game. No, I don't think so either. Uh, it's kind of annoying oh, too. Well, you, you do for, if you want to use fast travel, so you can get the duck that'll oh, but, take you around the. Yeah, no, but you but, also need to get get into the dungeon in the swamp. And yeah, in the bottom in the uh, yeah. southwest. I guess you're right. So you do need it. But like that's the yeah. only time you have to use the shovel is to get that. Yeah, and the book that you get is only you only use it once. The book of Mudora. I no, you use no, it, you use it a few use times. It, yeah, I think you use it maybe two or three times. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. But right. but yeah. yeah, still, it's like you just know when you have to use it, and that's kind of it. There's no like creativity in using it. I remember I figured out that they have the same puzzle that you have to knock the book off the shelf. In a Link's Awakening, and I remember I figured that out on my own. It was like one of the first times when I played a video game where I was like, my mind is blown that I figured that out. <laughs> I rolled into the shelf and something fell. Oh my god, this is so realistic. I'm immersed. <laughs> yes, 1990, 1991, 92 was a crazy time period. It's that same, <laughs> it's that same dopamine hit, you know, for for thirty years now. They've just getting better at it and making yeah. it more realistic. <laughs> I will say um, the other thing I'll say is that about this game, just in terms of its legacy, I find super compelling the link to the past randomizers, and now they have the link to the past Super Metroid randomizers as well, um, which are seem like super fun. I was gonna play one for this for the podcast, but I just didn't get get to it. Um, but like you can basically, there's a program where you dump a ROM into it, and you can change the settings on a randomizer. Uh, and it spits out another ROM that's like your customized version of the game, changes the code a little bit. And so it'll like you can randomize all of the items completely. You can set it so that you get the sword early. You can set it so that you get like certain things at, in certain places. Um, but it seems super fun. I whenever those are on Twitch or something, I'm like, ooh, a randomizer. Yeah, it's always fun to see new content for this game in 2022. Um, have you ever watched a randomizer, Steve? No, but I'm familiar with them. They have them where, like, I don't know if you like enter doors or something, and it takes you between uh, Link to the Past and Super Metroid. That's wild. That's yeah. I would love that. Sounds and so then it's like, it's there's stuff randomized between the two, so you can find. Link to the Past items in Super Metroid, and you can find Super Metroid items in Link to the Past. And so you have to keep going back and forth to get it. <laughs> awesome. There's yeah. some uh, there's some other like categories of speedrunning in this that are interesting. Like I think there's a, a no sword run. Like oh, yeah. where you I think you like clip through the map right in the beginning and somehow do stuff. Um, so yeah, pretty pretty lively community, I think. Yeah, and then there the the last thing is that I'll say about this game is there is do you guys ever see the my name is Chris Houlihan this is my top secret room room I've heard no, about I, it I was gonna say I've I've seen some references to it but I don't know exactly what that is so there was a contest in Nintendo Power for somebody to take a picture with like this super rare enemy that was in Final Fantasy the original Final Fantasy and like send it into Nintendo Power 
Um, and then whoever sent in the enemy was chosen at random, and this guy named Chris Hulahan uh, won. And so they added, they made a secret room in the game where there, I guess it's filled with rupees. Um, but it's it says, my name is Chris Hulahan. This is my top secret room. Keep it between us, okay? Um, so nice little fan easter egg right there <laughs> yeah that's still in there and that that actually the speedrunning community i think sees it a lot more because what happens is if a door can't load a room that's the room it loads um for some reason if it glitches out <laughs> oh interesting hmm. interesting huh. yeah that's kind of cool nice little it's like uh no there's no glitch here at all this is actually part of the design <laughs> so i think this is a good point where we can say where does this go on our endless list of video games? Um, our 175th entry. Uh, the last time we added a game, what game did we add? Do we know? I forget. Uh, NFL Blitz, it looks like. If you're not NFL Blitz. If you're not counting our supersized annual number three. Um. Yeah. So. Uh, where does it go on our list? Well, what do you... it, it seems like a good starting point would be to compare it to Legend of Zelda at number 12. So oh, I mean, this feels yes. this feels like a best of the best type of game. I'm sure this will go pretty high on this list. But but Zelda, Zelda, Legend of Zelda was right there at number 12. Um, that's right under Super Metroid at 11, above GoldenEye 007 at number 13. Um, I mean, I would say that we probably all agree this is a better game than the original Legend of Zelda. Um, refined the formula everything we just described basically it was an improvement on the original um super metroid though or are we gonna we're gonna work our way up here super metroid was the game that you picked last time sam how do you feel how do you feel about this yeah compared to that? um i think this could go higher i don't really have a problem putting this uh very very high on the list and like it's not my you know it's our Ooh. top 12 175 whatever games like you know my personal preference doesn't matter that much but i put it really high i put it above yeah. super metroid i don't have a problem with that i'm just gonna say that uh, i think this game is number one on this list wow he's he's, t he's shooting his shot you're going he's for here. it he's come here to to go for number one what uh <laughs> what say you michael i mean i think that this game is incredible I think going back, I have, I play a lot of retro games. I have gone back and I've played Ogre of Time, which people also say is the one of the best games of all time. I think this game is better than Ocarina of Time. I think it holds up better than Ocarina of Time. I think that this game for the time period, which was 1991, was fucking mind-blowing on a lot of different levels. Before this game, for example, the games that came out on Super Nintendo were like Super Mario World. Great game great game like perfect platformer but also it's kind of just iterating upon it's not really that big of a leap i would say from super mario 3 to super mario world it might be a better game but it might not be but like this game compared to the original legend of zelda was like a huge leap and it was a huge leap for a number of reasons it was a huge leap because there wasn't wasn't cryptic you, they told you where to go they the puzzles were intuitive because of the way they laid out the level design so you understood what to do because they taught you what to do throughout the game i think that was incredible i think it's incredibly tight i don't think it's too long nor do i think it's too short i think that's because there's a plethora of things for you to do throughout the entire game whether or not that's picking up heart pieces solving puzzles on the on the top of the 
top of the map. Um, I think that the even the within the dungeons, which are again laid out magnificently for a video game in terms of how they teach you things and how they're they're intuitive. They also teach you how to do combat encounters. Like the combat encounters start off slow. There's like one guy in a room, then there's two guys in a room, then there's multiple different guys in the room. They teach you how to do the combat as well through a very intuitive manner. Um, I think the dungeons are packed with stuff to do. I think the dungeons are, some of them, like they'll make you think, but they, it doesn't get to a point where you get frustrated with trying to figure out these puzzles. But they're like, there's always this like teetering push and pull between getting frustrated and feeling really good about beating a puzzle. And I think this, this is like the perfect line for that. Like you never get too frustrated with the puzzle. Um, and that goes, same goes for the combat. The combat is not too frustrating, but it's good. And it's, it's like the, I think the one thing we didn't talk about is actually the design of the majority of the bosses. It's really good, Mm -hmm. really, really good for a super Nintendo game Um, in terms of how they do the combat, but also like how visually different they are and how visually good they are for the time period. So, um, and then on top of it, we never even touched on it, but Koji Kondo did the soundtrack. He's like legendary uh, video game music person who did like Super Mario Brothers. What else did he do? He did uh, Star Fox, Ocarina of Time. He did Super Mario World, Super Mario 3, all these soundtracks for all these games. Um, and the soundtrack for this game is incredible as well. I like, I can think of the Dark World theme. It like is on repeat in my head, like once a day. Mm-hmm. Um, is, are there different, I was, so I was, watching a video about this earlier are there really different tracks in this game though i thought uh, i was under the impression that there was basically one track throughout all of all no there's the and there's not there's, there's not different like tracks. dungeon there's well maybe it's maybe it's less that there's not like super dungeon specific um music there's like a couple of tracks that they cycle through aren't there like boss themes or yeah, like like there's a theme when you fight a boss right but it's just, i think it's like this parts of the same music that just kind of ramped up at different points in the I could be wrong on that, but I was was watching a video about this where that was one of the complaints that like it's good music, but there's not a lot of variety to mm. it. Yeah, yeah, I'll agree with that. Yeah, I think the same thing about like Breath of the Wild. Like pe- people hated the music in Breath of the Wild when it hmm. first came out. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like that music was incredible for me, especially for like was the vibe of the game. Yeah, I feel like a lot of that game was like ambient noise too, like you being in the wilderness and like hearing the rustle of the trees or whatever. Well, it's all like it's all pianos, and <laughs> yeah. then it's like right, yeah, like it amps up at certain moments. I thought it was incredible. Um, I Mike, I thought Mike, um something you said that we also didn't talk about was um that you kind of always know where to go or can figure out where to go in this game. Um, I think the fortune teller that you can go to and like give you help is genius for like this yeah. level of open world uh i guess open world in quotes but like such an open game where you might not know where to go or like i, I could see getting frustrated being like oh i don't know if i have to go north or south or you know which direction to go in the overworld but the fortune teller just lets you know kind of where to go imagine going through playing all of the games from the nintendo era and then having basically the nintendo hotline in the game mm-hmm. right yeah that's fair oh man the nintendo hotline what a concept i still just picture that that one guy like kicking back in his chair with the big notebook like on the phone <laughs> answering questions for, well, nerd, that's, that's, for nerds who were stuck on mario <laughs> that's why in i think in the other games it's like a telephone in link the, link's awakening you can like pick up the telephone because they have the same thing in it that's really um, funny yeah. Uh, Mike, I feel like I, I agree with a lot of what you said, and I think that um, 
so you compared it to, to ocarina of time and that was my entry point to zelda so a lot of what you were describing of like whoa it was mind-blowing to pick up this game and play in this world where there was these challenging puzzles and you could explore different places and meet npcs that was that was my experience with ocarina of time when i played it and obviously yeah. that's that's a 3d space but this i i was not particularly familiar with zelda before that game and it just like immediately became my favorite game of all time and played it multiple times and was just like you'd get lost in that world and if you play it now it probably feels a little a little sparse you know compared to your average overpacked uh, open world game but just like it felt like there was so much possibility in that game it's like i could go anywhere i can just ride opona the horse around hyrule field and like get into like little you know adventures if i want to and like that's that's enough fun on its own much less than like you know playing the actual game and doing the dungeons so that yeah. what you're describing was my was my level of feeling to that too mm -hmm. um and to compare i mean ocarina of time's not on this list so we're, we're comparing this game to the games on the list right now um i do think though that like this game does feel like it you, you do feel its age a little bit too like you were saying that you think that it holds up better than ocarina of time and there were certain things about the controls that felt sticky or weird like the, the ice palace was a perfect example of this where like i could not go down certain staircases because you're like, oh still, that's a little sliding bit on the ice a little bit yeah so i mean that's that's a little nitpicky but like there are there are elements of that where i was like this game feels a little old even though on the whole i agree i think it plays really well and is, it is designed really well but to compare this kind of game to ocarina of time looking at the list right now we have like super mario brothers 3 at five which is kind of feels like the the link to the past of super mario bros at least on this list and then we have yeah. super mario 64 at number one and so much of that is predicated on like taking that 2d mind-blowing experience and putting it in a 3d space and i think we we have our different opinions about how how well super mario 64 holds up all these years later but i think the jump from a 2d space like from a previous 2D space where they just kind of refined the formula and then mapping that over to to a 3D space and on the 64 like that is just I don't that, that's like a technological feat that I think like is not super comparable even if the games probably don't quite play as well as they did at the time um, yeah I think that Link to the Past plays much better than Super Mario 64 and like feels better you know just controlling Link around even though there are a little frustrations with it mm-hmm yeah. And, and like, I still think that, like, if Super Mario 64 came out a year later after a few other 3D platformers, it wouldn't be number one on the list. Um, You're saying it had the, it had the first mover advantage. Of yeah, the exactly. Game, the, the flag uh, no, game. Well, <laughs> so, so Crash Bandicoot came out before that. Yeah, but you, um, the camera didn't really, like, move in Crash Bandicoot. That's um, right. It, I mean, that's the, the innovation of Mario 64 yeah. was... Right. having a camera that followed you which was in no game because all the games were fixed camera for 3d games for the va for the majority of the part or you were in an fps scenario yeah there was never like a camera behind you that was following you in like a and they like person personified it with a lackey do yeah. yeah crash bandicoot crash bandicoot feels like a 3d game that's based on a 2d design concept the way it works because you're still kind of like running down a track and like you have to get from the left side of the screen to the right side of the screen, but you can like there's depth, so you can move back and forward a little bit too. But it's not I've it's like, not it's I've, not like an open world kind no, of game the no. way six, Mario or yeah. Mario sixty four is. I, I tried to play that game relatively recently, and I got to the end of the first world, and I was like, 
holy fuck is this this game hard <laughs> yeah Crash, the original crash bandicoot it is so fucking that game hard. kicked my ass as a kid i had the playstation that was one of the first games i played and i was like oh this is such a cool character this is the playstation mario and <laughs> it was yeah i could not beat that game i did not get very far <laughs> um but does this game go above uh, super mario 3 a link to the past i think it does but i think it's like you saying that it was kind of like the perfection of the original Super Mario Brothers was kind of eye-opening to me because I, I do agree with that statement. Um, I just think that A Link to the Past does it slightly better. Mm-hmm. I think they're both very good games. Mm-hmm. I think that Link to the I, Past yeah, does it slightly better. I, I think A Link to the Past is way better than Super Mario Brothers 3. Um, I could go, like, I think this is a number one or number two game. I, I would put this above Dark Souls, which is a game that I was pushing for number one in that podcast. But I think that A Link to the Past is better than Dark Souls. Um, and like having just played Link to the Past again, I, I'm I'm cool with that. Um, and an, another thing that wasn't mentioned about Link to the Past is that for an old game, it's also not very punishing when you die or can't do something. Like, you're either right back at the start of the dungeon, and because of the way they're laid out, like, you can go pretty much to the point you were at um, before you died pretty quickly, because, like, there's all the doors and, um, sorry, like, locked doors that you can go through. It was really good at the time. Like, even, uh, we're playing another game for this list in two weeks. Spoilers. It's going to be Donkey Kong Country. And that game came out, I think, in 94, which was three years after this game and that game i mean it's a good game but this game feels better feels mm-hmm. tighter everything about it feels better <laughs> yeah so like i don't know um i yeah i think this is a very good game i think it should go at number one um but i if steve if you don't want to put it at number one i understand so personally for me i do think so like i i have way more of an affinity for zelda than super mario like ever like i i tend to get really bored playing mario games and flame out after the first couple zelda i'm always invested in so this was definitely a very a very fun game and i only played it for the first time now so it was cool to get it off my uh my bucket list for for the podcast here i don't think i like this game more than metal gear solid or dark souls um so i those two are a little bit of a wall for me. I definitely see this as better than Super Mario Brothers three. I I personally like enjoy Resident Evil four more and Castlevania Symphony of the Night more, but I see that this game, like the impact of it, the legacy that it has, um, puts it over. It's a more classic game than that, and it's just so well designed too that like I'm I'm comfortable with that. Um, but I, for me, I would vote for it at number five over Super Mario Brothers three under Metal Gear Solid at four. Um, that's that's my take. <clears throat> So that puts us at uh, 2.33. 2.33. So it's the new number two. Is that is that correct? I believe that's I correct. I think that's the new number two. That sounds about right. Oof. Wow. Tough day for lovers of number two on this list. They're, they're going to be devastated. <laughs> Petrus. I'm actually kind of pumped that it's number two. Because <laughs> I really want to hear his reaction. Is, is nobody going to tell him? <laughs> Nobody tell him. Should we just not tell him till the next time he's on? <laughs> <laughs> He'll have to check the list and, kind, and listen to find out. I, I'm kind of not joking. <laughs> no, I don't think we should say anything. If he asks, we can be like, I don't know where it went. Yeah, I'll just check it out. Yeah. 
<laughs> uh, I'm comfortable with it at number two. I mean, yeah, it's 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 not my favorite game on this list by far, but it is an awesome, awesome game, a classic game. So worthy of the number two. So we have a new number two on our endless list of video games. That is The Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past. The Super Nintendo for holding on strong to this list uh, with Chrono Trigger and Super Metroid. All near the top, but A Link to the Past, we have determined, is now the number two best video game of all time. Congratulations, Nintendo. Can, can we You've have done a, it again. So I forgot to mention this earlier. We, 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 we have such fanfare for A Link to the Past. Um, so we have a little thing on this podcast called the Super Metroid Rule. Oh, and, yeah. And, and yeah. I, I was assessing where Legend of Zelda was on this list um, compared to many, many other very, very video, good video games. And I, I'd like to propose... We move that game down. I think that I is, I agree, I but I wasn't going to bring it up unless somebody else. I did. think it's way too high, like <laughs> egregiously high right now. I um, think it's very high. I think it should go, but I th- I I think that that being said, I still think it's probably a top thirty or twenty five game on this list. I I think so as well. I think the the legacy that it that it carries and the fact that you know a game like A Link to the Past even exists that's on the bones of legend of zelda um i would move it personally down i mean i think it's definitely we we got to give it the nod over like a game like you know star fox 64 that's at 32 yeah um, for sure i don't know do you have a num- um, do you have a number that you you realistically are looking at for top sam 30? you haven't said anything since we've i <laughs> i don't even want to admit it but i've never played legend of zelda <laughs> i I feel like a good spot would either be at 23 or 24. 23 or 24. Uh, I don't think it should go... Right near The Last um, of Us, Steve. You're yeah. no, wait, I just moved I just moved The Last of Us up, okay? We're not moving it, it down. Shouldn't, it shouldn't <laughs> move... Well, we just moved it down. But well, it shouldn't move... Uh, anymore. ...be lower than Bioshock. I'll say that. Just on its influence. So do you want to put it at 24, then? All right. We'll put it at 24. I can live with that. That keeps Bioshock at 25 already. for all the Bioshock lovers out there. That's a top 25 game right there. <clears throat> for now. Says us. <laughs> <laughs> In this moment. <clears throat> we'll change our minds. Don't worry. <laughs> well, when we add uh, the next Zelda game, we have to now re- re-rank Link to the Past and Legend of Zelda, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe. Option. Yeah. If we want to, we, have we don't have to do anything. Yeah. I like yeah. this I like the Super Metroid rule though. I think it's a good a good rule cuz you put a game on the list and you don't necessarily have its other counterparts in the franchise to compare it to. And then, you know, a couple years go by, suddenly you're putting a better game in the franchise on the list. You take stock of things, you know? You you make you make some corrections. So, no shade to Legend of Zelda, but I think it's got to move down. All right, well, Legend of Zelda now is 23. It's moved down a bit, um, but A Link to the Past is now number two. Um, I'm surprised, Steve, just on a, on a lore of the podcast level. I'm surprised you didn't go with number one just because you've like, really want this game to be the new number one is Super Mario 64 has been, been for too long. <laughs> I don't like this game enough to do it. It's got to be right. It's got to be right. It was like the ten, but there was a tension in your head where you were like, I I want to, I could do it if I wanted. I saw the power. You put it right in front of you. You were the Joe Manchin of this uh, (laughs) podcast. I, I mean, there's another Zelda game that I think goes at number one. It's, it's not this one. 
I wonder if I'm it's excited to the, play like the only should... other Zelda game we talked about for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> we, talk, we talked about a lot of other Zelda games. Yeah, but there links, was one. Link to the Past yeah. or Link's Awakening. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, next week we are doing a movie. It's uh, Laura Croft's Tomb Raider. We're going to add it to our list of movies. Um, we have to find out a time for that. But thank you, Steve. Thank you, Mike. Uh, and, and thank you, Sam. Thank you. We'll be back next week.